Turn with me to scripture reading. It's from Matthew 4. Verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift up you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus told him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him and angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor at Christ Central Church. And uh, we're going to, to continue our sermon series on uh, the Christ of Christianity. And um, we'll look at a survey of Jesus' life, his ministry to people, and uh, hopefully gain some a greater understanding of you know, our own mission, our own life, our own call to him. Christianity seems to be, needless to say, a religion concerned about human beings. Historically, the church has uh, been central to humanitarian efforts and social reform. And I think many of us have somewhat blindly followed suit, simply religiously patterned our lives um, to care for people and the world we live in. And yet we have no real eternal hope or encouragement beyond the feel goods or the self-righteousness of being involved in the lives of those around us. But how do we know that God cares for us and our welfare? How do we know? And, and why do we act like we believe that, that somehow God understands us and our issues? That He is in touch with us. Every week, you know, we come up here getting up early on Sunday morning as if the divine being, as we sang in No Not One, knows all about our struggles, your struggles. Really? How do you know that? Where's your assurance of that being true? Part of our mission statement here at Christ Central Church reads that we are about freeing people to face the world with renewed dignity. But why do we believe that? Here's what we must know for our mission and our religion and our community to be true. Is God humanitarian? Is God divinely concerned about our welfare and and well-being down here? 
where our passage today, which confirms the presence and uh, mission of Jesus Christ, the Christ of Christianity, says yes. Yes. Little background here. Um, so Jesus has come to earth, born to the, ver- to the Virgin Mary. And so you have the wise men and the Christmas story stuff. And he has lived pretty much unknown, but to his mom and dad as a son of God until he gets baptized by, how would I describe him? The backwoods tent revival preaching, locust eating, I see the Messiah coming, John repent and be baptized, Baptist. He's that kind of guy. And the Bible says that after John baptized Jesus and God declares in an audible voice that this is my son in whom I am well pleased that this verse, this chapter happens. That he, Jesus, was was led by the Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, the the third person into the desert to be tempted by the devil or, or another translation, tested by the devil. And that he broke the first rule of taking a test. Get a good meal and plenty of rest, right? No, Jesus didn't eat for 40 days in the desert. I watched enough Man vs. Wild episodes to know there is no rest in the desert. It's too hot in the day and too cold at night. And in that heat and cold, that was no ordinary monkey on Jesus' back. It was the serpent, Satan, back on the attack from the garden after successfully tempting Adam and Eve. He was ready for what I would describe as Royal Rumble 2. This ain't Caesar's palace, but it's desert setting. Along with Jesus' Old Testament choice of lies, these scriptures he used straight out of the Hebrew Bible in this war of words with the devil, it beckons It's Jewish readers back to their historical time in the desert. Israel, in the middle passage from Egyptian slavery to the promised land. Now, they were in there for 40 years, but not 40 days like Jesus, but it was testing all the less because a generation of them back then died and were snake bitten in body and heart by the experience. But it's Jesus' turn now to be tempted. To be tested. Tested here means after this 40 day period, we will know just what Jesus is about and who he's going to reach and how he's going to do it. This test is like church planting assessment center, Pastor Giorgio. Remember going through that? It's the kind of testing that I would describe as, you know, a full cavity exam without precautions. Not too pleasant. That in the end, it will determine what you are full of. Or if you are full of it, right? And what you have the stomach for, or what you are called to. In this temptation of Christ, this testing of Jesus, tells us that Jesus has come to be the new Adam. The new Israel, completely and fully committed to being humankind's Lord and Savior. It is here in this testing that Jesus is declaring himself to be the great humanitarian. Committed 
and the right one to take on the human condition and be our redeemer. It was right here in the desert that Jesus declared his concern and care for the welfare of human beings first by taking on our human condition. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point because we already talked about this last week, that God came in the flesh in Jesus Christ. But by going to into the desert and fasting, he experienced our humanity on a new level. Jesus knows and came to take on what we may actually feel. He took on, took on the sensitivities of our anatomical and biological needs and, and limitations to, to know that we need food and, and know what it is when we don't get it, to be hungry. He knows what it is to be thirsty and hot. And you know that brother, that's big B brother Jesus, was tired and listless and his mouth was dry and sticky and then his body was sweaty and and possibly stinky and peeling he he got a smoky tan out in that desert right the desert was not jesus version of walden pond he was not trying to transcend his humanity by feeling hungry or tired or thirsty and hot, rubbing honey in his body so the bees can sing and all that kind of crazy stuff. He didn't fast and do some sort of heightened spirituality, do some sort of monastic meditation where he would disconnect from his humanity by somehow ignoring that his humanness was there. No, it was the exact opposite with Jesus. He came to feel what you and I feel to submit himself to humanness. Y'all remember the first Superman, Christopher Reeves? Not that new guy. The real Superman. Always be the real Superman to me. To my mama, for her, it was that old Superman. You ever seen him? He had the corny look at, okay, anyway, I'm like, uh, he didn't even have no muscles. He just looked like somebody daddy put on a suit, you know. I remember seeing them old black and white. Who is this guy? He ain't the Superman. That's Mr. Jenkins from down the street. He ain't have no curl. I mean, but anyway, the old school Christopher Reeves version of the 80s. Remember he fell in love with Lois Lane? I think it was part two. And he gave up his Supermanness to get with her. They had the old silver shiny bed. Water bed. Okay, anyway. He had the Superman bed now. Okay, but... And it looked like Shaq's bed. And he decided to stand up for her. Like, he's already given up. You know, his daddy said, if you're going to be with this human, if you're going to fall in love, you got to give up your supermanness. And he did. And they, so they go out on a date to the restaurant, to the little diner, to a bar out there. And he decided, some guy was acting like a jerk, so he decided to stand up for her. He was Superman come as Clark Kent this time, right? It was the first time Superman got his butt kicked by some truck driver. And he thought he was feeling human when he was sleeping with Lois. Nah, man, that's the other half of it. But it ain't until you get the first knock on that nose and the blood starts flowing. I remember he was like, Lois, I'm bleeding. (laughs) That's what happens when you get beat down. You bleed. It hurts, Superman. Welcome to the human race. I don't know what he thought was going to happen. He couldn't bob and weed. He knew how to fly. Though Jesus never stopped being God, when the devil was like, turn these stones to bread, 
When he tempted him by saying, throw yourself off the highest point so, so God would catch him or to promise him the kingdoms of the world, the devil was only able to tempt him by dialing into his human condition. That Jesus had a brain that was like, you better eat, Jesus. You better get some sense of control and, and power in your life. You are alone out here in the desert. You, you're going to die out here, man. You, you are not in Kansas anymore or in heaven. You're not floating up there. With, with, I don't know what you were doing up there, Jesus, but this ain't up here. This is down here. And here is the temptation for him to dial up that divine that was in him. And as confusing as this might be, he was certainly able to do it. To do a shazam on that bread, on that stone. Or, or, you know, jump off that temple and Jesus could have flew like Superman, right? He could have lived large and in charge. He could have had all the kingdoms. He didn't even need the devil's permission. He, he could have, you know, Pastor George was telling, we talk about this. He could have slapped the devil in the mouth. That would have been it. He could have, with those stones, had the very first three-piece snack with hot, hot apple pie, too. With just the words of his mouth, he doesn't turn stones to bread, y'all, because humans cannot turn stone to bread. He doesn't fly because humans can't fly out of their circumstances. He, he doesn't live large because humans can't magic success. And then if we look here at verse 11, this kind of interesting verse, it says, Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. He is so beaten down physically and, and mentally that, that the angels have to come to attend in the building back up. He was completely, he's completely gone human on us, though he was divine all at the same time. What's going on? Jesus refuses to escape his humanity. He refuses to not feel what you and I feel. Hungry and tired and sick and tired and struggling just, just to make it through and powerless and, and worried about the future and, and just plain scared and lonely and insecure and unsure, man, and, and pushed and driven and pressured and anxious. Jesus, come like one of us, remains knowing what it feels for you and me in the desert of our lives, feeling just that deserted feeling. You know, desperately looking for comfort and hope and freedom and food and security right then and there. And for all times, Jesus found out and knew what it feels to have relationships, even close ones like he had with his father, outside of your call or ability to make them work or manipulate them to make you happy. Right there, Jesus knows what it feels like to have a God who's there but seems to not be responding. Not responding to your request quickly enough or fully enough. 
Right there, Jesus is saying, I know what it feels like to have and believe that God brought you to a place that is a wilderness and, and a desert. It's simply to let you starve or be alone or, or, or suffer. Heck, man, you and I thought having a relationship with God, that being religious, being a Christian, would mean prosperity and, and perfect relationships and that you would get wiser and faster and be able to, to control your life because you get it now, right? You got all the biblical principles. You can rule and run your own life. No more loneliness, more power for living. And it has meant feeling that much more human. Feeling powerless. Needy. No, contrary to popular belief, there are no magic formulas to abracadabra stuff right in our lives. Jesus knows what it is like then to be put in hard and stressful places by God. He knows what a dry spiritual time in your life is like and what some of us are going through in it. You can't feel what he hasn't. You can't be where he hasn't been. And you can't go through what he hasn't experienced or at least felt. I talking to a friend of mine, Mike Sales. He's a comic book author. His character is Nefertiti, single black mom from Philly, superhero. We, you know, we get in our little sophisticated conversations about comic book heroes. Truth told, I can't hang y'all. But I like to act like I can. Yeah, let me tell you what's going on with the development of this character. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I learn a lot from him. And we talked about the fact that a real superhero could not save us if he or she did not know firsthand what it was like to live like one of us. And that is not a good theory of good superheroism. It is the truth of the gospel. That Jesus came in the flesh to be a savior that felt firsthand the consequences and squeeze of our humanness and limitations of our condition. Jesus not only come to be sympathetic. I'm sorry, humans. Too bad for you. But empathetic. Feeling what you and I and the whole world, religious or not, not only feel, but are tempted to do about it. Listen to these temptations again. Think through them. First one. In your hunger, Jesus, turn these stones to bread. And then in the feeling that God may not be with you or be there, go up to the temple and jump off and prove to yourself that he is there. Verse 8 says what? Jesus... Again, the devil took him, sorry, took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And then he says, all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. In other words, be prosperous and and successful. Do and get whatever it takes to be the man to rule your world. Bow to me, the prince of this world, and you can get it, right? Kiss the ring of the man, and it means this. Jesus takes on our human condition by being tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. 
besides an attempt to call Jesus out of his commitment to be about saving humankind and, and thus feeling our humanity, the devil is seeking to tempt him in his sheer hunger. And all of us know what it's like to be hungry or live in discomfort. We know what it can do to us. It can tempt us to try to completely be controlled by our feelings. That our decisions are only made based on our immediate needs only. Right? That, that, that we're completely fleshly. To, to say what? I don't care what it means. To, I gotta eat. I don't know about y'all. To, to live life, to, to fill your emptiness, to feed your immediate selfishness, to be hedonist, to, to use whatever and whoever with no higher regard than your personal needs. My emptiness and, and my hunger and, and my loneliness and my fear. To how do we put it? I am going to live life with no regrets. I hear this a lot. I just want to be happy. And we, and we can make the temptation religious, right? I don't know how many times I've heard it. God just wants me to be happy. He's a good God. Why? Because he makes me happy. And, and what we are saying is, is God, he doesn't want me to suffer. God doesn't want me to wait. He doesn't want me to, and you know, I, I shouldn't have to go through this hurt. And what we are saying and what the devil is tempting Jesus to do is make God only about what we want and that anything we want or need, he must want and need or he is not our God. And we live, engage. And are tempted to manage and maintain, maintain even our diets and our relationships and our sex lives and our religious involvement and our jobs, our, our time, only according to what I think or what I want and what I need to be full or happy or fulfilled. And Jesus says, what? Man cannot live by bread alone. So not my immediate needs, not my obvious needs in my own way, in my own time, in my own purpose, but only according to what God wants and how and when he wants it. And the second temptation is human face it. Jesus' face is similar to the first. Again, look at what he does here. Verse 8 again. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Nope, wrong verse. Verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. So the devil takes him up to the highest point or leads him up to the highest point of the temple at the holy city and he throws some scripture. And the scripture is out of context. Okay, the details matter. He is at the temple. He is in a religious place. And what he's tempted by, we are all tempted by. Which is this, controlling our God through religion. 
through what we call biblical principles, testing God, if you will, testing to see if he is good and obedience trained to meet our needs and take our commands, right? And that kind of stuff is all over the place. We've talked about this before, this kind of prosperity, wealth, and health gospel. If I do this, God must do this. If I say it because of what scripture says, you know, you say it with your mouth and it's like starting a fire to take that stuff out of context. And James, if I say it and I name it and I claim it, hallelujah, it's mine. And you throw a hallelujah and then do the hands, hallelujah, it's mine. We got people going around talking about being blessed, getting my blessing that, that I've determined to not let any, they do the anybody stop me from getting what I'm supposed to get. But then there's a, you know, there's another, there's kind of a right-wing version of that. If we do family values, our kids will know the Lord. And it's conservative values. It ain't too biblical. Ain't nobody trusting God. We're trusting God is right-wing. We're trusting God is conservative. And we think if we do A, B, C, and D, send them to the right school, do this, this, and this, and we're not really led by the Lord, we're leading the Lord. And what we've done is like the devil here. Have you ever heard some of this preaching? Well, Genesis 1, A and a half says this. But then if you take Revelation 3, B and three quarters and put them together, you got this. So you can have, you can make God do what you want. Just say this scripture, piece them together and it works. And this is what the enemy's doing. He's taking a patchwork of scriptures. Now get this, to keep God accountable and responding to our religious behavior or words. Our commands with his words, which is which is holy as it might look and sound, is often still you ultimately needing to be in control of God. Why? Because you fear God will or has left us or will leave us suffering. We take the truths, a part of the truth of the Bible, and we make our own religion. Man, I don't know a religion many religions that aren't ultimately based on your ability to do it, to meditate enough or attend enough or do good enough. And it is all designed, get this, to keep you responsible and thus in control of God, making you feel happy and secure and right. If I jump off this building, God, your word said you got to catch me. You know, they talk about, and Jesus says, don't test the Lord, you know. Well, well, what does this mean? Let me tell you what testing the Lord means. I know what it feels like to be God sometimes. Y'all, be careful there, Pastor Brown. Because I got children. And when my boys want something, Clark especially. No, Clark, you can't have it right now. He does this toe thing. Oh! like that (laughs) and some of you maybe that's Clark but some of you got kids or you see kids in the store mommy I want this or daddy I want that no Ah! and they get on the ground and they act crazy and they throw stuff they throw a temper tantrum it's a test 
Because I think my parents, you know, if I embarrass my parents enough, they got to get, look at that lady looking at you. You ain't no good parent. Give me that thing. It was a long dead work. Aren't you tired? Oh, I want it now. I love though the parents. I mean, the kids just screaming. And they just. <laughs> How many calories? Uh... <laughs> you know, they give you the look too, especially if you're a parent. They're like, what's up? I understand you. <laughs> Stay strong. Stay strong. And then we got a look that says, guess what? When we get to that car. <laughs> one time I tried to discipline in the store. I'm thinking, oh, they got those cameras. I'm going to show up on one of those shows. But <laughs> as holy as it might look, we're tempted to test God by throwing a religious temper tantrum when we don't get what we want. Some of us, I want to I want to be careful, but like jumping off that temple, some of us kind of do this religious suicide thing, this spiritual suicide where we're like, God won't do what I want. I'm done with all the God stuff. And we try to go to the dark side for a while, like somehow it's going to make God get us and give us what we want. I can't get the house I want. I can't get married. I can't make the money I want. Forget God. And in the back of your mind, you know you can't forget God. You're one of those people. You really can't, you know. But you try to act like, I'm going to do my own thing. Forget God. And in the back of your mind, you're hoping, he's going to come and get me and give me what I want. (laughs) One of those silly in love, but he'll just miss me so bad. It makes sense, though, y'all. I know it's kind of funny to think about it as a temperature, but it makes sense because we are so scared. It makes sense considering like Jesus has been a long time, 40 days for him, since we felt or believed God was good to us and for us. And so we're tempted to make him and force him to take directions on how to care for us. And then in the final temptation, easy to see and hard to resist, the blame. The power, the money, the quan, right? (laughs) Or show me the money, same show, y'all got it. But Jesus tempted by what we all feel. That if we had a position of prominence or power or competence, if we were smarter than anyone or everyone else, if we went to this college or got this degree and, and if we were in a higher class of people or had more in the bank, we could somehow escape this feeling, the powerlessness, powerlessness and fragility of our humanity. And we are tempted to say, forget all this God stuff. It's God and money. That's big in Charlotte. God and money. Or, you know, it's money and success, and then I'm saved once I got what I want. Right? 
I got the big contract now. I'm going to be on PTL every day talking about Jesus. <laughs> you know, on payday, I feel like such a Christian. <laughs> it's true. If I get paid on the 15th or on the 14th, I'm listening to Tupac. <laughs> on the 15th when I get paid, I'm listening to Kirk Franklin. Hallelujah. If it isn't money, it's the place of happiness, the right home, the right instrument, the right deal, the right job security. And get what we are tempted to do here. Look at what the devil offers him. Join the mob, Jesus. Bow down to me. Kiss the ring. Bow to the system. Join my pyramid scheme, Jesus. And you'll be close to me to get consumed by the machine, to be intimidated by that mean green, right? Or maybe we are tempted to always, for some of us, be in a position of power in our relationships. Some of us, no one knows or has an advantage on you. You too smart. You deconstruct everybody's stuff. Why well, think you should do this? Yes, you're only saying this because socially, blah, 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 and that's blah, 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 blah. come on. Power, control, influence. You know, you don't really submit to anything or anybody. You are the king of your kingdom or the queen of your queendom. Jill Scott, sorry. And we're all in that rat race, man, to get what is not an oasis but a mirage. It's an illusion. And Jesus says what in verse 10? Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And it means this, Satan, I can't get my worth from stuff. I can't give my world worth through stuff. I can't control and redeem my world through personal power and control. But the Lord alone gives me worth and my world value and makes my life worth living. No amount of cash or power can do that. Here it is. We are all tempted in different ways by the same stuff. Pleasure. Dealing with your immediate needs now at all costs position and power and the Bible confirms that Jesus feels and then in that humanity was tempted just like we are tempted but unlike him we failed there's a reason you know we fall we fake it we've tasted we've taken we have tested God and we still do it the temper tantrum is still defines our relationship with the Lord, some of us. That these things are more than temptations for all of, all of us. They have become the way we live this life. How you have made it through the desert of your days. But the good news is this. Jesus, 100% human, passed. He did not fail. He did not fall or sin. And in him, representative of humankind, we are being declared by God through Jesus Christ worth being saved and able to be saved from our broken humanity and wilderness lives. You see, we miss it when we take this scripture 
as Jesus just showing us how to say no to temptation. Because what he is showing us is the great humanitarian is what it really means to be human. Right? Humans, again, don't have the power to turn stones into bread. And they don't have the power to command angels. And it is inhumane outside of what and who God has called you to be to just be about your immediate needs and wants only. And Jesus is showing us that humans don't have, again, the right to command angels. It is subhuman to make God the divine taxi to get where you want to go. And Jesus is saying that power and money and bling alone cannot make humans fulfilled. It is below your humanity to bow to satanic or materialistic power in a brokering world to get ahead. Being human... As God intended is living, trusting God. Being fully human means in your hunger, in your powerlessness, and your inabilities to trust God. That is what it means to be human. That and having and not having to worship God. It is human to be human and not divine. It is human to need the Lord, to depend on and give honor and glory to God. But feeling what we feel and being tempted like we are tempted and not sinning, Jesus saying, you and I are not alone. Humankind is not forgotten. That we aren't overlooked. That we are not arbitrary. But humans, men and women and boys and girls, old and young, rich and poor, that you and I are worth saving. That he, Jesus, God, come in the human flesh as the one, the only one who can give and restore and communicate that worth to us. That we've lost, that, that we've given over, that we've kissed the ring for, that we've bowed the knee for, that we've thrown temper tantrums for, that we've been hedonistic for. Jesus has come to restore the worth that we have, have in inhumane ways given away. And the good news is this. You and I don't have to live and act like God is not there. You don't have to live or act like God doesn't understand you or can't and won't do anything about it or that you got to look out for number one or you will die to, to no longer believe that lie that you're only worth something if you have money and power and to no longer be driven by the lie that God has left this world, you and me, to rot and scavenge for peace and joy. Jesus has come to restore the humanity that the devil, the world, and we have tried to give and take away. 
What do we do? Give Jesus your humanity as the Lord and Savior of humankind. And when we say Jesus, Lord and Savior, we are saying, Jesus, be our great humanitarian. I need you to be and do for me what I cannot do for myself. Save and sanctify my humanity. Make me and mark me and let me live in the glory and grace of your victory. Jesus, for sinners like us. It is only through Him that we can really and truly be human. Real men and women who stand righteously human in the presence of God because the work of, because of the work of Jesus, the great humanitarian. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us. In the desert of our days, and our struggle with sin, the devil, and the world. We've lost our humanity. Sought to be our own gods. Sought to find other gods of our own creation. And Lord, some of us have just decided to give up. Restore our humanity. Help us to look to God for a sense of worth. Help us to have to trust the Lord and love the Lord. Make us human. Redeem us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.